Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. Before we get into the show, let's jump into the warm-up that we do with every show, Tanner. In kind of going along with our theme of creating uh, maps that I was talking to about the show and, and, and building one-shots, uh, you have the task, you know, you're playing with your group and they want to go to this dungeon that you just made up. So now you have the task to populate the dungeon with three, at least three, unique rooms in the dungeon. They don't have to be, like, breathtakingly unique, but they have to be somewhat unique in the sense of, wow, this is an interesting room of the dungeon. What would you put in that dungeon? Okay, three unique rooms in the dungeon. Okay, for one room, it's a little mix of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade slash what I'm planning for uh, my D&D one shot uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. But basically, what they see is a treasure chest. Uh, first, Well, first off, they enter into a large cavern. It's domed, uh, kind of like rocky, as if it were hewn out of the rocks uh, of this dungeon. And they enter, and they see, uh, they see a big floor that seems almost as if it's made of glass. It's just it's shimmering in the light that's coming from a single hole in the top of the ceiling and which is shining down of course classic on a treasure chest <laughs> and so the whole key of this room is that there are different kinds of symbols or riddles i mean it could be either one i'm gonna say riddles because why not there's riddles on the glass and they essentially have to step on the right answer if they step on like and there's going to be multiple possible answers they step on the wrong things then they fall through right mm -hmm. and they have chance for you know reflex save so that's one room um second room i'm gonna do a a rope swing room because why not uh they walk in they're on a platform and then much like luke and leia before they knew they were siblings <laughs> they will either hug each other or just like swing across um, and you Will know, there it's be snapping alligators in the water underneath? Or? You know what? For you, yes. Um, <laughs> you want snapping alligators, you get it. Okay, Justin? Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then the third room is going to be... You know what? The third room's going to be a little... Uh, it's going to be a little storage room that they walk into. Uh, and they don't think it's anything special. But then they see a, uh, some baguettes in a barrel. They go over. One of the hungry players goes over, starts playing with them. One of the baguettes moves with a ka-chunk sound, and then, and then it slides. The barrel slides across, and there's a ladder leading down. And in there, there's a little, let's say, gnome who's running a little mid-dungeon waypoint shop for them that they, of course, have to buy. But... Yes. <laughs> there you go. I love that. That's awesome. Yes. But uh, thank you for the warm up. I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling fired up. Uh, thinking about baguettes and, and broken glass and everything. Uh, but listeners, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is evolving. Wizards of the Coast has come out with some major announcements in the last few weeks. And today we're going to talk about them. But first... We want to welcome you to How to Be a Better DM. I'm your host, Tanner Wayland, and here with my cohort, Justin Lewis, we're going to learn how to craft better stories for you and your players. So your D &D, so your DM sessions of D&D 
5e, and soon to be one D&D, would just be the best they possibly can be. Um, you ready, Justin? I am very ready. I'm stoked. Perfect. Uh, first, though, I mean, cool your jets, Justin. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Nice. Uh, so first off, uh, just some announce- announcements. Uh, I'm running a one-shot September 17th at 2, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, I'm going to be sending out an email today, so by the time you listen to this podcast, you should, uh, you who are playing, you lucky few, you should have a link for that. Um, and then uh, otherwise, we're going to make sure that everybody else can watch it on betterdungeonmaster.com forward slash watch. And you get to enjoy a good game of D&D. Um, so then our next one shot is on October 22nd. Now you're thinking, wait, Tanner, Justin, weren't you only going to do this every quarter? We were until we got some help from, from friends. Uh, and we're still nailing down the time of this one shot, but we're pretty sure it's going to be October 22nd. Uh, and we'll send out later, uh, information later. Okay. So, uh, as far as it goes, once we, uh, once we send out that info for the October 22nd, uh, one shot, uh, don't worry. We will be having another one shot for the final quarter. So get excited for that. Uh, as far as it goes, uh, if you want to look at the Web of Waking Dreams, it's an original uh, horror one-shot created by our friend of the show and guest host, uh, Bone Daddy Rob, from This Dungeon is Occupied. Uh, so in order to find out more about this, go to betterdungeonmaster.com forward slash one shot and sign up today. Uh, anything else uh, worth mentioning? Um, oh, yes. Uh, so big shout out to our listener his name is josh hermansdorfer he actually gave us some awesome feedback Uh, i sent out a survey and he he filled it out and he gave us some great feedback and and we wanted to extend to you the same opportunity to help create the show you can have a stake and ownership in the show and help us in our commitment to give you ever better content all you got to do is go to betterdungeonmaster.com slash feedback and you can answer as many questions or as few questions of that survey as you want. Uh, and if you don't want to put your name, don't put your name. It can be completely confidential. Uh, but it's just a way for us to really get a bead for how you listen to the show, why you started listening to the show, what you do like, what you don't like, what things you might change. Uh, and, and really just a way for us to, again, figure out what is the best possible way to serve you more. Perfect. Love it. So uh, once again, we really look forward to your feedback. And uh, in the meantime, let's just jump into our topic today. So I actually pitched this idea to Justin uh, because I was, you know, on YouTube, as one does. And I saw the announcement by uh, Wizards Wizards of the Coast. I I believe that's who's in charge of that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they they basically announced not a new edition. They they made sure not to say that, even (laughs) though for all intents and purposes, it is. they basically are launching well first off they're launching a play test for essentially the next edition of D&D um, which they're kind of almost phrasing their marketing is essentially one D&D to rule them all you know <laughs> not not that phrase but essentially that they're like oh there's not going to be additions there's just going to be one D&D yeah. and it comes with a few changes right uh, 
like did you get a chance to kind of watch their little video that they came out with i i did indeed uh and and one thing i will add is so a lot of this i believe actually is possible because wizards of the coast who created dungeons and dragons they bought dnd beyond uh and and i'm and, and they actually mentioned in the show, or not in the show, but in their kind of YouTube presentation announcing all of this, that some of these particular initiatives are only possible because of their merger with D&D Beyond. Uh, and to Tanner's point, uh, you know, they said in the, in the video that 5e was built based on things that players liked or didn't like about previous editions. And they're, they're trying to do that with one D&D, but they're, they're doing it in kind of, I guess, I guess they're following the format of major video games, you know, rather than Fortnite getting a new edition, they just have patches come out and things change here and there and, and new seasons come. And I think that's what one D&D is really trying to mimic, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, it's kind of, I mean, for better or worse, they're essentially... My guess, switching to to a subscription model, you could almost say. Yeah. Um, not necessarily for the content, because you know you can buy books and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, just before we get into this, like the the nuts and bolts is that uh, Wizards was call- coming out to announce it because, uh, similar to many other kind of tabletop RPG systems, when they're trying to release a new a new edition. Uh, then they have a play test and they kind of throw all of their different ideas at the wall and sees what is, and they see what sticks. Now the only other uh, kind of recent one that I'm that I can think of or compare it to uh, another kind of similar system, Pathfinder. They did one for their second you know edition of Pathfinder and they did a play test and people had all these different negative and positive thoughts on it and. And then they came out with the official, like, second edition, right? And something that people didn't realize is, like, oh, the playtest, actually, the feedback was listened to. You know, a lot of the things in the playtest that people were iffy on, it got changed. And that's one thing I want to point out here. Right now, they've just released stuff for the playtest, uh, which I believe you can find uh, info on. Uh, is that on D&D Beyond where yeah, you can get info? Yeah. yeah, it's just right on the homepage. It's... Uh, if like when you go to the homepage, there's kind of at least last time I checked, there's like four boxes at the top, and, and the one I think third from the left is the one D and D Beyond or one D and D playtest material, or at least the first batch. Yeah, and so basically, this is a great chance. They're kind of giving it to everyone to be like, hey, try it out, give us your feedback, uh, and then hopefully their goal is to release the official one D and D. Um, in 2024 so it's gonna be a sec uh, and I'm interested I'm interested to see how it goes frankly for sure and and actually that that first batch of playtest material we're gonna dig into it and kind of talk about it on a, a separate episode so I guess stay tuned for that but one thing I, I would iterate I, I okay two things <laughs> I'll iterate is one, it's going to be created on the foundation of 5e because 5e was popular. There were lots of things good going. There's going to be changes. And frankly, this is the second thing. If you as a player don't like those changes, then you can actually tell D&D, uh, tell Wizards of the Coast they have a, a survey essentially attached to the playtest materials. 
and you can say, hey, I like this, I didn't like this. And, you know, just like Tanner said, with Pathfinder 2, uh, they're going to listen to it and hopefully change it, you know? Yeah, exactly. This is, uh, you know, frankly, I've uh, been watching a lot of videos, you know, commentary on one D&D and their proposed changes, especially some of the rule changes. And people are concerned, you know, rightfully so for some of the stuff. But, you know, I think that uh, that Wizards of the Coast is right to, you know, throw some of these, you know, throw out some of these ideas. Mm Because some of them I'm like, oh, this could be bad. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't technically know. You know, I, I we haven't had a chance to actually play with it. And, and so, you know, I would say, first off, keep an open mind. And then, if you play with the new uh, playtest material and, and your concern is realized, then, like, hey, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for uh, your feedback. They're looking for any kind of suggestions you have. Um, but, yeah, just uh, kind of to move on and talk about... Uh, some of the specifics here uh, you know they've well yeah they've like they've added a new race mm-hmm. uh, they've changed they've made some significant differences to how uh, races I, I believe they're calling them backgrounds now um, mm-hmm. and like which I think is like smart you know mm-hmm. because like if you get a little too nitty gritty with each of the races and the sub races, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just gets a little weird. And it's like, hey, let's just call them a background. And, yeah. you know, the different kind of races or backgrounds have different feats associated. And so that's kind of different. Uh, well, fairly different. And then there's, you know, changes to some rules like, oh, how crits work. And <laughs> also like how they categorize magic for, for the purpose of um, for different, uh, you know, classes and things like that one of the big things though and and justin you know if you have any thoughts on this they're releasing a virtual tabletop um like essentially engine for you to play games on yeah Uh, to be honest when i so again they are that specifically was only possible because of their pairing with uh D beyond as well as also in addition to that, they're now going to be releasing digital physical bundles so you can get the physical books and the digital books, which is nice. Um, but all of this is possible because they merged with D&D Beyond. Specifically for the virtual engine, I honestly think that that is kind of a bid for uh, staking their claim for tabletop role-playing games in the metaverse, I guess, if you can say that. So... Um, I honestly think this is them trying to say, hey, when virtual reality becomes even more prolific and ubiquitous, uh, D&D is the thing to do, and you can play it just with anyone and your friends, uh, you know. And and I don't know how I feel about that. Like, Ready Player One was an awesome movie, but I'm also kind of scared of, like, society changing. But only only time will tell, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, change is scary. It's okay. Yeah. Justin it's okay that you know uh honestly though i I hear that for me it's a little bit more of uh you know initially i thought it was awesome frankly uh and i don't know if we want to go into this now but basically the nuts and bolts is that it's it's made with the unreal engine and so in their video it actually looks incredible you know but of course you know i have concerns about if it will always look incredible i don't know (laughs) but 
uh, either way, it's it's uh, it's like an upgraded version of Roll Twenty. You could almost say specific yeah. to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I think that that's uh, that is probably one of the biggest things, because like yeah, new rules, uh, everything like that. That's big. Them kind of making a bid for like you said that kind of virtual reality uh, slash just like a new major competitor against Roll Twenty and these other online mm-hmm. tabletop systems. Uh, yeah, that's a it's a big news, you know. Um, but. Uh, so just for the listeners, we're planning on kind of talking about what they're doing and then later talking about our thoughts on it just in general. But, uh, but Justin, anything else that you think we ought to cover before moving on? Yeah. Um, so just kind of a, a heads up for, for those of you who might not be, um, aware they just released kind of not necessarily, well, it was part of this, but it was also like slightly before they released Spelljammer, a whole kind of source book bundle, complete with monsters, new races, even some rules for not or space combat, I guess you will, if you will. And for those of you who aren't aware, Spelljammer is uh, kind of an old D&D setting which takes place in the Astral Sea. Like, essentially think of the movie Treasure Planet, and that is Spelljammer, right? Uh, that That's the kind of adventures that you're allowed to do. Uh, it's D&D in space. So that's available now. Um, I'm actually looking forward to get that for myself uh, sooner or later. But also, they are releasing new resources for another D&D setting, which is the setting of Dragonlance, or, or the world of Kryn, which I have a, a fond place in my heart. I actually uh, started reading... Dragonlance novels before I ever heard of the Forgotten Realms. So, you know, I, I like all of those stories are, are near and dear to my heart. Um, but one cool thing about that is they're also releasing a companion board game for the Dragonlance world that you can play in DD. But this board game is supposed to help you play out kind of grand war scenarios, which, to be honest, I, I always thought that. Uh, war was kind of something that was pretty difficult to do in D&D, so I'm excited to see how this works. And I'm hopeful that uh, the Dragonlance uh, resources don't require... And, and they already said they don't require the board game, but I'm hopeful that the resources themselves for D&D will allow you to simulate grand conflicts like war uh, easily, even without the board game, and just having the board game makes it a little bit more fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that these things are coming out still because, I don't know, sometimes when uh, other companies have moved on from one product, you know, essentially D&D 5e mm-hmm. in this case, right, uh, onto one d and I'm always worried that they'll kind of abandon their old one, and, and I, I still think that's coming to some extent. But it's nice to see that they're still releasing that. Uh, right now, like Spelljammer, I think that's just classic, right? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Treasure Planet. I think everybody would be, you know, remiss if they didn't uh, play a campaign set in a very Treasure Planet esque style and play that one song that everybody knows from that movie. You know, <laughs> um, you know the one. I but do. I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you I love do. It. Uh, but yeah, honestly, take a look at it. Uh, Wizards of the Coast are doing a lot of cool things right now. Um, but uh, first off, let's let's talk about opinions and everything. But first, 
I believe you got a, a continuation to the warm-up, right? Yes, I do. So, for this dungeon, with these three very interesting rooms that you have just made up on the fly, uh, what would you say is kind of the, not the core, but like the, the mystery at its center? So, either what's the big boss or what's the treasure that they're looking for? Like, what's the purpose of this dungeon? Okay, purpose of the dungeon. Uh, the purpose of the dungeon... I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to say that the core of this dungeon is a disappointed child. Ooh. I know, right? Wait until I figure out what that means. No, I'm just, <laughs> um, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, swinging on ropes, every child's fantasy. Yeah. Uh, you know, walking, like, where would you hide something from a child? As a listener of this show, you obviously love story. Now that you've had a chance to craft your own story by listening to this show, wouldn't it be nice to get some inspiration? Or maybe you just want a moment of immersion and escape and entertainment. Whatever it is, come join us on our new show, Packed and Boom. It's an actual play D&D podcast in the world of Calignos, where our characters Jolly, Wolfgang, and Alan will find and meet each other in hell, and from there, start a troublemaking journey with some near-death experiences that will hopefully lead them to a happy ending. Find it wherever great podcasts are heard, or just go to sessionzerostudios.com slash packed and boom. That's P-A-C-T-N-B-O-O-N. Start listening today. across a thing of glass where they could easily fall you know yeah. and what do kids like they like when people buy stuff for them <laughs> and so essentially they're going through this dungeon and they little by little realize the story in the murals on it that this dungeon was created by a super powerful being uh who um well actually a super powerful being's child who had been born and then bereaved of their parents but the child was also like galactically powerful and like had great arcane powers and essentially molded you know their their desire for for love for you know for care for gifts everything kind of molded into a dungeon uh and these players stumble upon it and little by little you know they can either learn what it's all about and try and show that child love by like by bringing certain gifts so that they found or they could just try and attack the child and see how that goes and see if they can you know uh like basically take down this super powerful um like child childlike creature yeah. so yeah that's uh that's what i have for now dang that was really good have you uh have you seen hayao miyazaki's uh spirited away you know yeah of course of course yeah you know what you just described made me think of that giant baby person uh that's the the yes. the son of the witch uh exactly dang that that's a freaking cool dungeon i hope you you know flesh that out soon so anyways yeah you know that's uh that's the next one you know that's uh <laughs> dungeon of the crybaby coming coming it. in hot i love it uh so i think we're talking about our opinions on what Wizards of the Coast uh, is doing now, right? 
yeah um is there anything you want to start with because i i mean i'm interested to talk about the tabletop the virtual tabletop uh, along with some of the rule changes and things like that but yeah do you have any where you want to start uh actually um let's start with the virtual tabletop i want to hear what you think and then i'll give my two cents okay virtual tabletop some people were saying so one guy came at it uh, from a video that i thought was very interesting uh, you know i was like okay i see his point but i also disagree his main point was like oh there are two reasons why this is bad one you know that they're going to charge like a subscription essentially to use mm-hmm. the service right uh, much like roll 20 they have an upgraded version that you can pay monthly for right mm-hmm. uh and they're in he's saying like hey they're doing all this stuff on unreal engine that's not cheap you know so yeah. they're going to put in that time his second point uh was that like oh people become less you know less imaginative you know they'll kind of do adventures that you are able to do within the virtual reality versus kind of doing some theater of the mind and some other stuff and i mean i partially agree with them you know mm-hmm. like for example in terms of the cost I do think that this is going to be high quality, um, but as a person who, you know, growing up was constantly trying to find workarounds for things with subscriptions, you know, I played <laughs> Guild Wars Online because World of Warcraft had a monthly subscription. I, you know, I tried mm-hmm. to yep. find like free content online when I was creating, um, you know, uh, campaigns yeah. essentially for D&D, like free pictures and stuff I could put in instead of buying the actual thing on Roll Twenty or D and D Beyond, you know, mm-hmm. like from that point of view, I'm like, yeah, I think that that's uh, that's an certainly concern, you know, about affordability uh, there because it's certainly not going to be free. Nor do I think it should be free, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? So as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about like various pricing models. Um, everything that well D&D Beyond has done so far has been there's a freemium model so free and then you can pay to upgrade and that seems to be kind of standard across the D&D market you know Roll20 um, for the most part so I could see that this virtual engine this virtual tabletop game is kind of the premium model but then I also thought you know like that's not going to be cheap that's going to be a subscription I thought about all those DMs out there who spend, you know, myself included, spend time and money uh, creating or building tabletop minis, you know, and you can play the game for free, essentially, but you get those minis to augment the game. And I thought back to the the video that they showed in uh, the the Wizards Presents video. Um, and, And one thing to note here is that they didn't say that this one D&D is going to be ready next year. They said it's going to be ready 2024, which means it's at least a year and a half away, probably more in my opinion. I I don't think it's going to come out January 1st, 2024, which means I think that they showed kind of, to be honest, this is what I think, that they showed a video of what it could look like, not necessarily what it does look like. And they've they've assembled, you know, so, so I could easily see them offering it for free especially because either you're going to need some sort of virtual reality equipment or you just have it on your computer but then 
you have to pay to get certain minis that you can use in the virtual tabletop because the video they shared wasn't, you know, you with a character fighting these things. It was you looking at a, a tabletop, you know, with minis and everything and, and much like we'd have it at, at a normal table. And I think they want to preserve that. So I could see them going either the subscription route or, you know, you pay for different terrain pieces, uh, minis, things like that, much like you would do in normal life. Uh, and, you know, with the world of NFTs, that's not, that's not impossible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I kind of expect that it's going to be like that, right? Like there's probably going mm -hmm. to be some, I mean, it'd be a bold move if they just make the entire thing free, but like right. basically make it so that the content, like, right. or the minis, you know, the uh, actual like pieces, and everything are behind a paywall, you know, that's an option. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of the creativity aspect, you know, I, I hear that, that like, you know, oh, if this thing comes out, like a metaverse or whatever, then some people might feel like, oh, we, like, it's not really D&D &D if this isn't the thing. And, and frankly, <laughs> I don't, like, I think that's a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, like fear mongering in terms of like oh people get yeah curmudgeony where it's like hey things are, if it gets so good then people won't want to go back and I'm like I mean people will do what they want to do uh, yeah. you know yeah I agree but, I I, I yeah. think like you know we just had COVID nineteen right uh, a lot of people went to playing D and D online and then the second they were allowed to or whatever they went back to playing with their friends and family uh, because mm -hmm. like as much as we do like the convenience of being able to talk over you know Riverside like we are uh, we do like being in the same room we get a lot more uh, sights smells sounds feelings even of just being in the same room uh, I am curious though because all of science fiction points to the fact that humanity will devolve into more of a uh, you know, luxury and uh, what's the word? Like they they do whatever's easiest, and so yeah, I, like I'm indolent. I'm, exactly. is probably the really yeah. fancy word yeah. for it. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see, um, but you know, the doubter inside me says the tech isn't there quite yet, and I mean we all have to go to work or we all have to exist in real life, so. I think we do prefer those real life experiences right now, but uh, there's only only time will tell, you know. Yeah, and it's not like in a way I'm like, oh, it's cool that someone's essentially taking Roll Twenty and making it like the next step, which is mm -hmm. kind of triple Aing the whole thing, right? By making it so you can look at the computer and it's like, oh, high definition minis and everything, right? And you mm -hmm. can build dun dungeons because uh, right now you kind of have to go to other places to find tools right. that you can do that with right uh and i'm like it would be cool if they did it all together and if they had some real money which they do like that's the thing that's i kind of like here as much yeah. as i personally don't love when certain things get monopolized um like like social media you know by like facebook metaverse yeah. whatever you want to call it right uh I do appreciate when like a company with a lot of money gets to essentially throw m like that money in at a problem and see if it gets solves it, you know? 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, in terms of taking the virtual playing of D&D to the next level, you know, we'll just have to see how how that works. I think that this is a uh, a big step forward that way. And then hopefully other uh, hopefully they come up with some ideas that other creators can kind of riff off of, you know. For sure. Um but uh other than that, uh have you had any thoughts about any other changes? With D and D, with one D and D, yeah. Um, for one, well, and, and actually, kind of going to your previous point, one thing I do want to note yeah. is that the D and D movie or, or the remake <laughs> or, or the next D and D movie, whatever however you want to call it, is coming out. I think in next year, uh, which should hopefully be a nice shot in the arm for D and D as a whole, and hopefully flood some money in for some of these projects to make them so that. Even if the idea is terrible, that the tech doesn't suck, um, yeah. You know, uh, but one thing that I, I'm still not like is the kind of changing of the backgrounds, races, feats, and, and all that. Um, so basically, my my thought process with the races is, you know, it was kind of cool to be able to choose to be a dragonborn because you get these certain buffs and, and, and flaws and, and crap like that, but um, they've, they've somewhat changed it so that way, no matter who you are, your stats change based on how you want them to change, so it's not based on race, and the only thing that you get from your race are specific racial features, which I guess makes a lot more sense, um, you know, but it, it kind of, like the whole trope of dwarves being somewhat hardy and strong, uh, you can still choose that, but now you're going to see a lot more dwarves that aren't that way. Uh, and, and to me, it's like, how can you have interesting exceptions to the rule if there aren't rules anymore? You know, And, and maybe that's me being a curmudgeon, uh, but I think we're going to see a lot more exceptions to the rule, which won't be as interesting because you know, there's, there's not that trope of every dwarf is strong and hardy, but instead certain dwarves are smart or fast or whatever, you know. Um, I I just, again, I I worry that maybe the creativity won't be there because everyone will just be able to do whatever they want, which sounds like it's more creative, but I don't know. One thing I do like, though... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I I was just going to say, I was reading... um, some of the playtest material, and we'll go into that a little bit more in another episode, but uh, one thing I do like is that there aren't really sub-races anymore. They call it legacies, and they've actually added more legacies to certain races. Um, tieflings, for example, and the, the legacies also have not just a physical effect on your character but also a mechanical effect based on like the legacy you receive from your ancestors and things like that i do think that is a a really cool concept of you know you're a tiefling but this one's an abyssal tiefling so they get various boons from their demon blood and this one's a infernal tiefling and they get various boons from their devil blood and they're different and i think that does make it a lot more dynamic You obviously have good taste. I mean, you listen to How to Be a Better DM, after all. We thank you so much for your support. And if you've ever gotten anything useful from How to Be a Better DM, take a minute and rate us and review us on your podcast listening app of choice. It goes a very long way to helping 
our show help many more dungeon masters out there who are just like you. If you love our content, help others become better dungeon masters too. Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> I think some of the things they're doing is the groundwork for like an interesting change in how you approach, uh, you know, creating a character. Mm -hmm. uh, because with their inclusion of, you know, hey, uh, we're going to, instead of doing the whole mechanical changes, mm -hmm. we're going to do feats. Um, they're essentially being like, hey, let's not put each type of race in a box. And right. to that point, I'm like, you know what? I get that. Like, it's nice to be like, hey, if you want the typical orc, you know, just distribute your points accordingly, you right. know? Uh, however, if you want an orc who's a scholar and everybody's like, oh, you know, fie on you, you know? And he's out yeah. an outcast, then it's like, oh, at that point, you can, you know, make them, a, you know, respect them in a different way. Yeah. But they still have those same feats. Uh, and then, like you said, the lineages or legacies, uh, those are just nice ways to, um, you know, just to uh, differentiate them a little bit more like the old system. But I think they've just slimmed it down. Uh, and one thing that I thought was interesting is that, you know, one thing I've noticed about D&D uh, &D 5e, they, you know, there's a lot of homebrew content or other content out there for you know different kinds of races right mm -hmm. or in you know but but they had like in terms of the core races they keep it pretty simple pretty tight yeah. I, I would like yeah. to say right and this time they're adding one race and it's just funny to me that you know it took them this long to do it <laughs> you know and i'm yeah. like and they added a race that uh that i don't i mean i don't know <laughs> it's like it's a very interesting mm -hmm. uh poll like so they added something called ardlings yeah uh and in case anybody's wondering that's essentially you know tieflings they're kind of like demon spawn kind of dealios uh ardlings are the opposite they're more angelic and same as the, how the tieflings now have three uh three legacies or lineages that they can kind of branch out into same for the Ardlings. It's like, oh, they have these different, three different types. Um, and there's actually, like, because previously there was a different kind of, uh, like, essentially angelic race uh, in D&D. &D. And it's kind of funny that instead of going with that one, they just went with a new one called Ardlings. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same thing, too. Um, I, I do like their description of Ardlings. Uh, it, it makes me think of kind of the the Egyptian gods, how you know they're the bodies of a human, but their heads are animalistic, uh, and to me that that's very interesting. It's different and it's unique. Um, I, I do wonder though why they didn't just say you know ASMR are these, and sometimes they have the heads of humans, sometimes they have the heads of animals, and you know these are I, I don't know I don't know why they they yeah. went completely left field you know. I know, because ASMR already exist, right? Yeah, and exactly. they're essentially that equivalent of, oh, a celestial thing. And I'm like, you know what? Good on them for, like, at first I thought it was weird, and I still think it's a little weird that they didn't just canonize ASMR <laughs> in a more real way. 
But I'm like, you know what? Good on them for being creative. And like you said, the description's very interesting where it's like, oh, they're part animal. Which, frankly speaking, that's more in line with a lot of ancient religion, like texts for how they describe angels and things like that, right? Right. Even the Bible, there's like wings for days and eyes and everything else, right? (laughs) Uh, And it's like, you know, that's probably closer to what things would be angelically, uh, celestially speaking. Uh, So, yeah, we'll have to see. I think that people were like, oh, that's weird that you came up with a whole new race instead of just, you know, sticking with ASMR. But, you know, I I think uh, good on them for being creative. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Uh, I think the last thing that we can really riff on is the crits. So they are changing how crits work. Um, crits now so so natural 20 automatic success natural one automatic failure um, and there's some other rules on that so like uh, let's see no monster slash DM crit attacks and magic attacks yeah. don't crit but physical attacks do is that right yeah so yeah so like uh, people are up in arms about this and this is where I really want to emphasize the play test part of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um for example because in the past technically uh only like with attacks would like a natural one or natural 20 like do that you know where it's like oh you fail regardless of mm-hmm. your modifier and you know or you succeed regardless but skills that wasn't the case right you weren't supposed to be able to nat- to crit either bad for uh, better or worse mm-hmm. on a skill check you just weren't it was supposed to be like hey still add your modifier and see if it works Mm -hmm. but people were naturally already kind of treating it the same as attacks where they're like oh my goodness you got a natural 20 so what if you know the in order to succeed you needed a 25 you got a natural 20 like you know that's good enough Mm -hmm. and to that point you know some people are mad about that for me i'm like i was the kind of person who especially if i'm playing with someone who's new to D&D. I'd throw him a bone. I'd be like, oh my goodness, natural 20. Yeah, you, you did it. Great. Awesome. Let's be creative. You know? But So I don't have a problem there, but I, I understand what people are saying. Like, oh my goodness, the crits. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just naturally win on skill check. I don't know. Yeah. No. One one thought I had on that is I wish that, and maybe I'll, I'll treat it this way in my personal games and, and kind of play test it that way, but uh, in, in treating crits and stuff... Uh, I think I'm going to start going that whatever the DC is, they have to beat that. If they roll a 1 or a natural 20, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they succeed or fail, but let's say they roll a natural 20, but the DC is 25 and they get a 24. Uh, I'm going to say, you fail just barely, but something amazing happens. What amazing thing happens that does not make you succeed? And kind of yeah. steal, steal that same type of idea from the Fantasy Flight Star Wars Genesis game where if you roll a triumph or a despair, you know, something amazing or something despicable happens that is somewhat related, but it, it, it's, it's, it's also kind of out of the blue. I think, uh, I think that might be a good way to do that. If you're really still not interested with the, the natural 20, natural one automatic success failure model, but uh, like Tanner yeah. said, play test this, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and so on that note, there's plenty more we could talk about. We're not going to today. We'll talk about it later. But in the meantime, get out there. Uh, get playtesting. Uh, I think you'll be happier with the end product if you do. Um, and, you know, until then, let's all roll initiative. <laughs>